If you have God's word, I want to invite you to turn to uh, Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to be looking at verse 37 in just a moment. And in fact, there are many scriptures that we're going to be dealing with today. And so I, I want to invite you with a little bit of anticipation and hunger uh, to get ready. I mean, set yourself, get your mind ready. We're going to look at some passages, some scripture today. And I believe that by the time that this hour is over, that you'll have maybe some some thoughts and maybe some challenges that the Holy Spirit has put in your lap today. But we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to be looking at verse 37. And uh, let's just take a moment and turn there. Matthew chapter 9, looking at verse 37. Then his disciples, this is just a short phrase, then his disciples, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now, if there were a toggle, you know, a toggle switch that would bring focus to the ministry, to what it is that God has called us to. I mean, if there if there was some kind of dial that we could dial or some kind of button that we could push, it would bring focus to the ministry for the church of Jesus Christ or the body of Christ. I believe that this would be it. I, I believe that this passage, that this verse would be that toggle switch that would bring into focus what it is that Jesus is saying that the church ought to be about. And so we look at this passage and we find ourselves tremendously challenged, especially when we read the first part of it where it says the harvest, the harvest is plentiful. I mean, think about that for a moment, the idea of the harvest. And, and in, in fact, as I look at what's happening in, in Texas and, and it's happening in Florida, Irma is bearing down upon Florida and what's happened around the world and what's happening in other countries. And, and I look at the need the, of humanity and I look at all the brokenness and all the chaos and, and I look at the reality that there are messy lives upon messy lives. And I cannot think of a time that there is more of a ripe harvest than right now. That there is this time of harvest, there's this time of opportunity for the church. And folks, I've said it before, I want to say it again. It is a great time to be a church, mission church. It's a great time to be a church. I mean, God has called us to mission, and I believe the mission is really clear. I mean, it's set out before us, and it begins this way. As the toggle switch is toggled and the focus becomes clear, we recognize that the harvest is plentiful. Amen. And there is need. There is human interest. There's all kind of things out there. But then we see the second part of it. When Jesus continues his statement, he says, but the workers are few. The workers are few. And so here's this call that Jesus presents to the church. And I guess the, the, the response is the, it's up to you. I mean, it's up to me whether we're going to respond to the call that Jesus gives us. Now, let me begin in, in this fashion in regards to the church. I mean, specifically, more explicitly, really, Mission Church of the Nazarene. And that is to say that God is in the transformation business. How many believe that? Raise your hand. This morning, that God is in the transformation business and he is in the transformation business and he is about transforming lives and transforming hearts and even transforming the church. And and he's doing that in a few different ways. In fact, recently we've been talking about organizational transformation. I mean, that's part of the process. I mean, so that we will be effective as a church so that we can be effective as believers. We need to ask the question. Uh, that affects our organization. In other words, how can we be the best organized in such a way that we can fulfill the mission that God has called us to as a local body of Christ? So we've been talking about how we are organized. 
And part of how we are organized is that we are leaders. We're understanding that. We are embracing the idea that we want to develop a culture of leaders, that we are leaders of leaders, spiritual leaders, and we want to encourage other people to learn how to lead. And part of being a leader of an organization that God is transforming, by the way, we understand that that organization, because it's a God organization, is an organization that should be about the mission of God's church or the mission of his son, Jesus Christ. I love the way that Dr. Watkins from Point Loma Nazareth University shared it with our ministry team. A few months ago, he came and spoke to our ministry team, which included all of our paid staff and our volunteer staff and everybody that was a part of ministry. He came in and he spoke about it in this fashion. He, he, spoke, about, he spoke about mission math. Now, get this in your head for just a moment. Here's the idea. He uses a dry eraser board, and on that dry eraser board, he writes the word mission. And then he puts a division sign around and over the word mission. And then outside of the division sign, he puts the word me. And he calls it mission math. I said, man, where did you read that? Where did you get that? He said, well, the Lord just laid it on my heart. He said, it's mission math. I said, well, what does it mean? So now you have the word mission with a division sign and the word me. And he said it works like this. Anytime you divide mission with me, it always diminishes the mission. Let me say that again. Anytime you divide mission with me, it always diminishes the mission. You see what that means? It means that if we come to the campus and we say it's all about me or we come to the campus and we say, yeah, this is what I don't like or this is what I like or or this is what it should be. And we come to the campus and it's all about me and it's all about my opinion. That's called mission math. And it always diminishes the mission. Rather than the mission being and the question being, what kind of impact can we have upon those that do not know Jesus Christ? And I understand it might sound a little bit judgmental, but they are not my words. They are the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that people that do not know Christ are lost. And people that do know Christ are found according to the words of Christ himself. And Jesus Christ came to save and to seek those who are what? Seek and save those who are lost. And so when we talk about mission math, that's Dr. Watkins idea, mission math, anytime we divide the mission by me, it always diminishes the mission. So when we talk about organizational transformation, we need to ask ourselves, are we asking the questions about ourselves or asking the questions that are going to affect the lives of those that have not met Jesus Christ yet? So that's the first idea of transformation. The second type of transformation, you know what it is. I mean, it's what Jesus is about. The second type of transformation is spiritual transformation. That's what Jesus Christ is about. He is about spiritual transformation. You say, well, pastor, what does that mean? I think we need to dig down on that just a little bit and ask some questions in regards to spiritual transformation. Like the question is, why do we do, you know, what we do as a church? I mean, why do we care uh, teenagers, why do we care about the things that we care about when we come to Wednesday night, you know, for teen service? Why, why do we why do we want the things that we want? I mean, we need to ask these kinds of questions. I mean, why do we even want to take the time to ask ourselves, why do we exist as a congregation or as a church? I mean, why should we even have a mission? I mean, think about that for a moment. Why should we even as a, have a vision as a church? And, and why should we even take the time to reach out to those that have yet to meet Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? Why? Because of spiritual transformation. 
Amen. Because Jesus Christ is about spiritual transformation. We see that in our passage this morning. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful. Man, there is a need that is out there. And and ladies and gentlemen, God is waiting for us to be a part of, of his plan and his mission to meet that need. And so we can say this morning that mission That excuse me, that moving in mission means the harvest is plentiful. Moving in mission means the harvest is plentiful. Say that with me. Moving in mission means the harvest is plentiful. In fact, in Matthew chapter nine and looking at verse thirty five, we see Jesus hard at work. In other words, if we were to say, Okay, how am I how am I to look at this passage? How am I to imagine, you know, the context of what's happening? Jesus was busy, that's what I'm saying. In Matthew chapter 9, looking at verse 35, he's hard at work and he's going to towns and churches and, and synagogues. He's proclaiming the, the good news of the kingdom. He's healing and, and he's loving and sharing and, and people are standing in line to hear the gospel. And, and I'm imagining in my mind when Jesus is involved in all of this, that he's in the very thick of doing ministry, that Jesus is possibly overwhelmed. In fact, we know that he took some time and he went aside to pray in the the hills and he came back and continued ministry. But can you just imagine the overwhelming, massive mission that Jesus Christ had upon his shoulders because he had the responsibility of influencing the empire and dealing and adjusting the thinking of the religious leaders so that the religious leaders would learn how to think rightly. I mean, that was the intention. And I mean, he had a, a massive mission. You can imagine Jesus and all that was on his shoulders. He had the massive mission of impacting this world as it is still being impacted today. This is really a summary of the New Testament when we look at Matthew chapter 9. In fact, we see it in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. What did Jesus say? He said, come follow me. That's how Jesus kind of begins here. He says, hey, come follow me. Come follow me this way. And what does he say? He says, I will make you fishers of men. So he begins that way and said, come follow me. And then in Matthew chapter 28, at the end, just before he ascends into heaven, just before it's finished. I mean, just before his physical life is over, it's like he's trying to say something. It's like he's trying to bring into focus something that will ring in our ears forever and ever. And that something is this. You are to go, therefore, and make disciples. So, so that what is ringing in the disciples' ears before it's all said and done is he saying, go, therefore, go and make disciples. And then in Acts chapter 9 and looking at verse 9 in the Acts 9 church or Acts chapter 1, 9 church, what happens is the gift of the Spirit comes down. Jesus is ascended. And so the gift of the Spirit comes down. And as the Spirit comes down, it says they are to go to Jerusalem. The Spirit will come down and they are to receive power. What are they receiving power for? They're receiving power to be witnesses, right? To be a witness for Jesus Christ. So they receive power to be a witness. Now, bear with me now. I want to pause for just a moment and kind of get the idea of what What it is that I've said so far. First off, what we see is Jesus goes up. He's crucified, resurrected from the dead. He appears to his disciples. He gives the great commission. Therefore, go. He's speaking not just to the disciples, but the church. He says, church, therefore, go. And we're talking about our mission. And we're saying, well, what is our mission? We are saying, what is the vision that God has laid upon us as a church? Well, again, Jesus says, therefore, go. And so what happens, we get the image now that Jesus, he goes up, he ascends, he went up. 
And then the spirit comes down and the church goes out. Do you see what's happening here? So Jesus goes up, the spirit comes down and the church goes out. Amen. And so we have the challenge before us that God has given us as the church. Now, you might say, well, what of the person of Jesus Christ? What what makes him vulnerable on his human side? And and what about his compassion? And we see it, in fact, in, in Matthew chapter nine and verse thirty six, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had what? When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion because they were harassed and they they were helpless. And in fact, the Greek word there for compassion is this gut wrenching type of emotion that Jesus has when he sees the crowd. He saw the crowds and he has this gut wrenching type of emotion that that invokes an emotion of 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 pain and, and anguish because the people are harassed and they're they're helpless without a shepherd. An emotional response because there were people in need. And and as I said, kind of in the beginning, I I cannot imagine a better time for the church to be the church because people are in need. In fact, there's more need now than ever before. Why? Because there's more people on the planet than ever before. And so. You see the mission it's before us. There are people in need and there are people in, in, in brokenness and people that are hurting and lives are messy. And, and there's this tremendous need that that Jesus Christ has come to fulfill. And so we can say it this way, that moving in mission knows that the harvest is plentiful. That's how we started out this thought that, that the harvest is plentiful. That's what Jesus uh, tells us here. In, in fact, then we could say the next thought is this, that moving in mission means a revelation in prayer. Now, look at the last part of the passage. We go back to Matthew chapter nine, looking at verse thirty seven. The last part of the message, it says here, or we read the workers are few. So now there's this call that we are being raised to now because there's few workers that the kingdom is calling for us to respond, you know, to take responsibility. The workers are few. And the revelation of prayer is a revelation of prayer that God is working through you. That's how we understand how God uses our prayer, that we pray to God and God hears the prayer. And then all of a sudden there is this revelation of those that maybe we know are those that we encounter that have never encountered our Savior, Jesus Christ. What am I saying? I'm saying this prayer activates the plan. You see that prayer activates the plan and the plan is that God places us where he is already being active, where God is already doing something in people's lives. And all of a sudden you realize because you've been praying that way, God, show me somebody I can share you with. God, show me somebody that I can invite, you know, to church to meet Jesus. And as you begin to pray that way, all of a sudden you discover that God is working on the behalf of somebody uh, before you even respond to him. So here's how it works. We're, we have our prayers. We pray here. And our prayers go to God. And God hears our prayers. And then the answers come down from God. So it's like this. It's like this. We pray. We're praying, God, show me somebody that I might share Jesus with. We pray to God. God answers the prayers. And the prayers come down like this. You see, the, the idea that the scripture has given us here this morning is that God hears our prayers. And if there's anything that we're going to carry away this morning, I want us to carry away this truth and this understanding. I mean, bear with me that God hears our prayers. In fact, go to first John 
Looking at verse 5, and, and, and I, I mentioned that we're going to look at the word a lot this morning, so go there with me. First John chapter 5, and we're going to turn to verse 14. Take a moment and look that up. Go to First John chapter 5, looking at verse 14, and I want to look at that with you this morning. Here, here's what the scripture reads in regards to the statement that God hears our prayers. Here it is. First John chapter 5, looking at verse 14. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. Listen to that. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So now, remember the process is that we are praying, hear our prayers, and we pray to God. And then the prayers come down, God answers our prayers. But the key for this to work, follow me now, this is really simple. The key for this to work is that we are praying according to God's will. And you see, this is what I call the, the promise principle. The promise principle that God promises to answer the prayer if we're saying, God, show me somebody that I might be Jesus to. Show me somebody that I, I might share how Jesus has changed my life and transformed my life. Why? Because we just said our foundation this morning was that Jesus was in the transformation business. And so now we are praying like this according to God's will. And see, this is the prayer promise or the promise principle that if we pray according to God's will, then the answers come as we pray and we say, God, show me somebody. Show me that man in a red shirt at my workplace that I might share Jesus with. Show me that person in a maybe an orange dress that's down the street and, and that there's this moment, this encounter that I can say, hey, do you know my friend Jesus? And I get to share Jesus with them. You see, God will answer that prayer. It's, it's the promise principle. I cannot help but think of, of Philip and the Ethiopian in Acts chapter 8 and looking at verse 26 through 40. And I don't know if you remember the story of, of Philip and the Ethiopian, but it begins like this in verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, notice the angel or the voice of God said this to Philip. And so I imagine Philip is praying. He's saying, OK, God, I want to serve you. I want to I want to do your will. I want to hear your voice. And so what happens is this is impressed upon him. He hears the angel saying to him that he's to rise and go toward this particular road. And then verse 27, and he rose and went. So he obeys. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. And was returning, seated in this chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now, notice what's happening here. He is reading the prophet Isaiah, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and asked, do you understand what you are reading? Now, this is significant. Because this is a diagnostic question. And if we're ever going to be effective in sharing, you know, uh, Jesus, who Jesus is with our friends, I, I believe it is absolutely vital that, that we get comfortable with the idea that we, we, we are prepared to ask maybe a diagnostic question. Maybe that diagnostic question is, as you're standing around with some folk and they begin to talk about maybe heaven or, or maybe they're talking about the idea whether they believe in God and you turn to one and you say, well, do you really believe in God? Or maybe when you're sitting in the hot tub with somebody and you are saying, 
you know, you're hearing them talk about, you know, angels that you can say to them, well, maybe do you believe in angels? And, and so all of a sudden this door is open because you've asked this diagnostic question and now there's this opportunity. Why? Because you've been praying, you know, you've been praying according to God's will. You're praying, God, show me somebody that I might share Jesus with. And as you pray according to God's will, that God will open a door and you ask a diagnostic question, then bam, this door opens. And now you have the opportunity to share Jesus with somebody that possibly you may never have had an opportunity to share Jesus with. We see this again in Matthew chapter 9 and looking at verse 9 where Jesus calls Matthew. And it's interesting There's no dialogue. It it does not say when Jesus says to Matthew, come follow me. That's what he says. Hey, hey, come follow me. There's no dialogue that Matthew sets his business down or he makes plans or he strategizes his calendar so that he could follow Jesus. He makes no plans like that, but it says that he just goes and he begins to follow Jesus. It's interesting that it's, it's told that way. But Jesus says, You know, to Matthew, come follow me. And Matthew follows Jesus. And and then it says just a little bit later, Jesus is reclining with with tax collectors and sinners. And and then the Pharisees come along to Matthew. And now there's this dialogue. We get the idea there's a dialogue between Matthew and Jesus. And the, the Pharisees say to Matthew, why is your master associating with tax collectors and sinners? And so now Matthew's inserted in a situation in which God is already active and God is already moving likely in these people's hearts because of Jesus Christ's example. And so now God has inserted Matthew into the midst of something that God is already doing. And then Jesus overhears the question and Jesus Christ responds. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician. This is Jesus now. He said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Mercy ministries. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. It's interesting how God works in his machinations and how if we are praying, remember like this, we pray God hears that, that prayer according to his will. And then the answers come down and God begins to open doors like you cannot dream. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I went to, uh, we went over to Murrieta, about an hour and 10 minute drive, and we looked at a, uh, a Piper 180. So we went to meet this guy by the name of Bruce, and he owns a, a little plane, a little four-seater, Piper 180. And um, we wanted to go look at it. It's for sale. And, and so we walked in the hangar there, and, and uh, Bruce and I hit it off just like that. And and But there was something there, there was something that came alive, there was some kind of spark, and I couldn't put my finger on it, but there was such interest between him and I. And, and, and then about three days passed, four days passed, and lo and behold, remember, Marietta is about an hour away, about three days passed, and Bruce, the owner of the plane, shows up at my office over here at Mission Church. Yeah, I just wanted to see your office. I, I, I'd like to see your church. And so I show him the sanctuary in the church, and we go back to the office. Now, remember, I was pursuing him. I was looking at the plane. He had something for sale. But we go back to the office and and, in his curiosity, I could tell that he was he was searching. He was curious about something. And as I spent time with him in my office, I presented the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Bruce asked Jesus into his heart as his personal savior two weeks ago, two weeks ago. And he's promising to come and attend on November 19th, our friend day. 
I said, we're having this open house, this friend day, and he, he says he's going to come, maybe drop in even before before that date. And, and, and you know, I, I'm just, I'm blown away because, you see, what I'm saying is that it's God inserting us in these, this activity that God is already about. That God is already working and unfolding in somebody's life, and you don't even know it yet. But if you say, Lord, show me that somebody that I might share Jesus with. It's remarkable how God works. I, I love how Vic Inchelmeyer, right? Vic Inchelmeyer, he's in the, he was in the first service, and I asked him to be the director of our men's ministry. And, and uh, so he said, I'll pray about that. And he accepted the job, and then he began to pray for people to come alongside of him, and for doors to open, and for men to help him. And... And in the process, the Lord laid on his heart a gentleman that used to attend this church but does not attend it anymore. And he said, hey, pastor, the Lord just laid this man on my heart. And I said, okay, yeah, and his name's Mark. And so what happened is he showed up at the church. Vic invited him, and Vic called me out to the parking lot, and I met Mark. And, and now Mark is cooking the breakfast and attending church because, you see, Vic was praying not knowing that God was already working in Mark's heart. Amen. I, I, I am humbled by the fact that God works in, in, in ways that we can never dream ourselves. I'll, I will never forget Brenda, who was a manager of, of a BP or a 7-Eleven gas station in, in Clarksville, Tennessee. We pastored in Tennessee. And, and there was a, a woman there that was the manager of the gas station by the name of Brenda. And just a mile down from the house. And every morning I would go by the 7-Eleven there or the BP uh, and I'd go by the gas station and I'd buy a cup of coffee every every morning. And uh, the Lord, you know, the Lord just something leapt in my heart. and I just kind of owned her. I wanted her to know Jesus. And and so I invited her to church. In fact, we had like a friend day on November 19th. And I invited her to come to this open house. And and so she said she had come. She said she would attend. And so, you know, that that day came and went and she never showed up. Even though she said she'd attend. Well, I said, okay. And through the next year, I continued to build a relationship with her. And I continued to buy my coffee every, every morning at her gas station and, and the convenience store. And the next year comes around. It's the second year. And I, I invited her to our open house. I invited her to come and, and, you know, be my guest and be my friend. And, and, uh, she said she'd come and I was excited and I told Heidi about it and, that year, that day, and that Sunday passed, and she didn't show up. The third year came, and I invited her again. And the fourth year came, and I invited her again, and she still didn't show up. And the fifth year, I just gave up. <laughs> the fifth year, I quit. I wasn't even inviting her anymore. I just thought, well, that was fallow ground. That was non-fertile soil. And so uh, I, I'm, in my, uh, I'm in the store buying coffee during that fifth year, and, and Brenda says, so aren't you, aren't you going to do it? And I said, do what? She says, aren't you going to invite me to friend day this year? It had been four years. This is the fifth year. I said, yeah, okay, I'll invite you. And she says, okay, I'll come. I'm thinking, yeah, right. Well, that fifth year, Brenda came and she brought her two daughters. And I didn't know that she had a daughter that was really struggling in life. And at the end of the service, that fifth year, at the end of the service, Brenda and her two daughters had come to the altar and they were crying. And all three of them accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior. 
And then a few weeks later, her husband had been drinking, had a drinking problem. A few weeks later, the husband came to church with her and he came to the altar and prayed through and asked Jesus in her heart. Some other family members come. That Easter, we had large pews there. You could seat like 23 people or 18 people or something like that. And that Easter, that entire row was full with Brenda's family. And it was because of a five-year bridge for God, you see, for God to open that door as I was praying for God to show me somebody to share Jesus with. God will bring someone into your spiritual view if you're praying and looking. You see, this is what Jesus has given us here. It's the promise principle. And, and see, what happens then is we become the sending entity. Remember, Jesus goes up. And the spirit comes down and the church goes out. So now we become the sending entity that we are sending people into the mission field. And the mission field is not the campus of Mission Church of the Nazarene. It's out there. That is the mission field. And we become the sending entity that we are sending people out into the mission field. And and it's when we have a mission that's so awesome, folks, it's so awesome that we are compelled to share Jesus Christ. That we're compelled to share Jesus with somebody. And we want to bring them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing right here at Mission Church of the Nazarene. To be compelled to share what Jesus Christ has done with us and for us. And it's not about personality. It's not about the fact that we're an extrovert or an introvert or whether we can or not. It's that we are willing to be obedient and we are empowered from upon high to give our testimony of Jesus Christ. Amen. I I want to share this statement with you. It's not mine. It's somebody else's. Here it is. Be careful to not let humility be the mask for insecurity. Be careful to let, not let humility be the mask for insecurity. Or be careful, be careful to not worry about appropriateness or what's PC that might bar and block you fulfilling the mission that God has called you to as a believer of Jesus Christ. I guess what I want to say this morning is this. Stay true to the mission. Stay true to the mission. And God will honor that mission. I believe that. You stay true to the mission. God will honor the mission as we're staying true to the mission that he's called us to. And we're going to talk about that on September 24th. And I want to invite you to be a part of that. Bring somebody with you. Let's stand together. Let's do that. Let's stand. And we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And we have a closing song. And then we're going to have a response time. But I want to just pray for just a moment and have Pastor Jeff come. Pastor Jeff, where are you at? I'm going to have Pastor Jeff come and he's going to share with us just a moment and give us some guidance and response. But let's just pray. Let's pray as we pray for God's will and we pray in God's will that he will show us who he might share Jesus with. Let's pray. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for today. I thank you, God, that you are calling us as a church to to step up, to share what we know. With others, Lord, that we would not keep it to ourselves, but we would share our faith with those around us in our neighborhood and the places that we work and where we go to school that we might say the difference, the difference is Jesus. I pray that Father in heaven, we'd be especially sensitive to that Lord, what the Holy Spirit is doing. I pray that we'd be especially sensitive, God, to to your voice as you open up doors that otherwise would not be opened. So, Lord, I know that you're already active. I know that you're already moving. Help us, to, Lord, be willing just simply to be used by you, that you might insert us, Father, in your activity. Before we even know what you're doing, Father, that we just simply be obedient, Lord, 
and willing to share our faith with others. Father, thank you for the mission that you've given us here at Mission Church. Thank you, Father, for the vision that you've given us to, to see our church mobilized. A church that, that is an entity that is going out into a mission field and we're sharing Jesus. And it might be with a cup of cold water. It might be by providing warmth to somebody. It might be, Lord Jesus, to people that, that Lord are destitute. But it also might be for those that have a pretty good life in worldly terms. But they're empty. They're lost. They have no purpose and hope. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be to be not Jesus to them, but help us to be the message that, that they would be directed towards you because of our actions and because of our love for you, Jesus. I thank you for that. I thank you, Father in heaven, for the tender, sensitive spirit that you give us as we hear your voice this morning. That we would be obedient, God, to you. Lord, I pray for that one, that young, that young woman or that young man today that is, is saying, Lord, I've, I've forgotten what you've done for me. Help me share it. Help me, Lord Jesus, to be reminded of, of, of the great blessing that I have in relationship with you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for that. Thank you for helping us, Father, today and reminding us that we are a church that's on a special mission to share Jesus. And may we go. May we be Jesus to others, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name.